Welcome back to Drop the Subject with Allie Johnson and James Simmons. And uh, excited to talk to Mara Wilson right now. Of course, you have seen her face, I mean, since the early 90s in Mrs. Doubtfire, Miracle on 34th Street, Matilda. She's doing all kinds of stuff now. She's written a book called Where Am I Now? True Stories of Girlhood and Accidental Fame that was published a few years back. Also a member of the family of the LGBTQ community. So I welcome to the show, Mara. We're very happy to have you. Yes, thank you so much for having me. Now, we have to start off and ask what we're asking everybody. How How's it going? How's the quarantine been? It seems like you've been <laughs> maybe taking up baking like many of us. Yes, I mean, I've, I've always loved to bake, uh, but I haven't been baking so much lately. But I kind of got back into it in the past few weeks because... Uh, I had to, <laughs> uh, to keep myself, you know, not, not sane, but occupied. And, uh, yeah, I, I recently did a thing with Michael from the Great British Bake Off, who is just the loveliest human being. And we made these little, uh, mini pie, like sort of tarts that my sister makes and the jam filling, he said was the best jam that he'd ever had in his life. So we were pretty pleased about that wait, because, whoa, wait a minute. Who from the Great British Bake off it, Michael from the most recent. Ma- oh, yes. okay, okay. Because I was like, wait a minute, which one? That's crazy. What a compliment! Yeah. I would feel yes. so good about myself. No we, soggy bottoms. I know we were we were incredibly <laughs> impressed because this is just something that my sister came up with, and you know we were messing around in the kitchen, and and I think I was like, you know, why don't you put in some orange zest or why don't you do this? Like, it's mostly her recipe. I don't know. I might have come up with a little bit of it, but yeah. And I've been making my my chocolate chip cookies that I always make, and I really want to make my dad's bread recipe, and you know my brother's challah recipe, and all of these things. But it's it's definitely baking is very soothing for me. Always has been, and I'm so glad that there that the that the sh- stores and and restaurants and places have been have had you know flour and yeast again because for a while they didn't have anything and I was like what am I supposed to do? I mean that is a thing. We actually Allie tried to make bread. The, we tried to like sort of make bread the other day and yeah. I, my bread turned out flawlessly. Yeah, because Allie's James did didn't. He just put sliced bread in an oven and then was like, <laughs> I did it. I actually tried, but I had no yeast, so it was just a soda bread loaf that molded in a week. So I mean, looking oh, at yeah. the stuff you've been making is a, another level. Thank you. I, I appreciate you thinking that because I I'm always like when it comes to bread I'm terrible like my dad makes really good bread but but yeah my bread has never it, it turns out to be like more like a like a blunt object that that you know would probably hurt to be hit with rather than something you could eat. <laughs> You're like it's actually a weapon for yeah it's, it's more of a weapon it's yeah. more of a weapon yes <laughs> now just starting from your your you started your career obviously at a really young age and you you wanted to to start acting it was something that you were eager to get into and and now look at you and I I feel like when everybody meets you and sees you they talk about I I was not a cute kid, so I was never told by <laughs> even family being like, oh, when you were younger, blah, blah, blah. But you get it everywhere all the time. And it kind of comes with the territory. Well, it's it's strange to me because, you know, when I was, I, I think I was, I had just turned five when I started acting and I didn't think of myself as a cute kid. You know, you, you don't really have a sense of yourself as that. And, and I still think like, I still think that I was just kind of like approachably cute. I've seen I've seen far more beautiful children. I think like my my <laughs> my my sister was far cuter than I ever was. But I do think that there was kind of a they wanted a more natural look in the '90s. I don't know if that's the case in you know when I got a little older in the 2000s and you know and perhaps today. But I, it is kind of strange because it feels sort of like 
like when you meet somebody that, you know, your mom knew or your grandmother knew and they're like, I remember you when you were this big. Right. And it just feels like everybody is like that. All the time. And you're like, I'm I'm actually like a completely different human being now than I was when I was six. Exactly. And that can be, and that was really difficult for me for a long time. And it felt frustrating for me too, because for a long time, I, I wasn't sure if I wanted to do any acting ever again. And so it was frustrating to me when people were like, why aren't you acting anymore? And the thing is also that that it's not acting isn't something you can just get back into. You know, it's a it's a difficult thing, and there are a lot of barriers to doing it. And I still do act, you know, in projects with friends and things like that, but I don't do it as a full time job. And uh, although, does anybody do it as a full time job? Yeah. It's not a very <laughs> <laughs> right. it's not a very Every, regular career. Right, everyone's a slash. Right, yeah, or slash something. Yeah. Exactly, exactly. And I've I've been a slash for a very long time too. So, but yeah, and I think I had a lot of frustration and bitterness. And I spent probably even a lot of my 20s kind of getting through that and and struggling with that and struggling with people's expectations of me and, and, you know, definitely had a bit of a chip on my shoulder about it. Yeah, I mean, uh, that makes sense. Yeah. And I, and I thank you. I appreciate when people understand where that comes from. Uh, but I do think that I also, I, I do think that I, I appreciate where it comes from because I, I appreciate their appreciation, really, because it it comes from them having really good memories of things. And I have to remind myself that you know things that affected me deeply when I was a child and the things that I really loved as a child, they still mean the world to me. Absolutely. I mean, you can't forget all of those things that made you a part yeah. of who you are now, but then also exactly. to a certain degree, you have to let those things go and embrace who you are now. Yeah, exactly. And it's a difficult balance. You know, you, you, you kind of have to being who you are now versus honoring who you were, but it's it and it is really hard. And also the truth is that people don't have the image of me as a child because they never really knew me. They never really knew Mara. They knew they knew Matilda. They knew these characters that were like mm. me. And so it's kind of hard to figure out who you are when you've spent so much of your life being someone else. Right. They're like, move and, that pencil with your mind. And you're like, that's not, no. People I, people would say things like that to me all the time. <laughs> and, and, I, and, and I also was a little frustrated because I was like, you're taking away the, way the wrong message from Matilda. Right. The whole thing is, <laughs> is knowledge. Right, right. Is, <laughs> it, it's allegorical, you guys. It's knowledge is power, but okay. But if uh, that's, yeah. I mean, if that's the thing you're taking away from it, you know, I guess that's uh, fine. People always tell me, they're like, I used to think that I had magic powers. And I just like, I probably get that at least once a week. And I like, <laughs> I just want to like face palm. I'm like, guys, that's not, but I mean, they were children when they saw it. Of yeah, course, you know, I know. And children have magical thinking. And, and I, I never thought that I had, sometimes they'll be like, did you think you had magical powers? And I'll be like, not more than any other kid did. <laughs> not because of Matilda. <laughs> We like were that was just, your uh, takeaway was now I have power. Yeah. Right? Of that, of this, all of this, these movies and everything. Yeah. I think it's pretty, you said magical powers and we just got done talking about Donald Trump. Yes. Oh, God. So Why'd you have to use that word, James? We were having a good thinking. time. I'm sorry. I know we're having such a long <laughs> conversation and I ruined it. <laughs> well, you know, some people grow up and some people don't. That's true. That's <laughs> true. Some people act younger than the age of six. All right. When yeah. we get back, we're going to continue talking to Mara Wilson about her book, some of the exciting things that she's working on now, plus many more questions. Drop the Subject continues after this. Drop the Subject. The new Channel Q. All right, welcome back to Drop the Subject with Allie and James. We're on with Mara Wilson. We're having a wonderful conversation about magical powers. Of course, we're all adults now. And I just wanted to ask you, I mean, Matilda, uh, Miracle on 34th Street, all kinds of movies that you were in when you were younger, and then just shot into Melrose Place, which I'm sure was a tricky transition. But uh, I just wanted to know, best on-screen parent in your whole 
young oh, acting life? That's a really good question. Yeah. Um, Melrose Place was actually one of my first jobs. Um, they, I had so many good on-screen parents that I, I really don't think I can choose. I, I mean, I started off with Robin Williams and Sally Field. So yeah, how like, do you go up from that? Starting from a high yeah. place, you know, and absolutely. Elizabeth Perkins on, on Miracle was, was mm. absolutely wonderful. So sweet to me. And Dylan McDermott, who played the man who becomes my stepfather was just absolutely hilarious and so kind and like would like play basketball with my brothers just a really down-to-earth wonderful man and mm. and then uh and Doug Savant on on Melrose Place was actually so wonderful that every time we we did a shot and they said print it we would have a print victory dance so we would do the print dance yeah, he was a sweet guy and Matilda I mean I've spoken I've spoken very highly of of the people that I worked with on Matilda, of course, uh, Danny DeVito and Rhea Perlman. You know, they were horrible to me in the movie, but now they were they were so nice to me. And <laughs> I actually, you know, they took care of me and my family when my mother was sick with cancer when she eventually died. And I did a sitcom with Rhea actually after Matilda came out called Pearl. And that was one of the most fun experiences I'd ever had in my life. And I remember her introducing me to the studio audience and saying, this is Mara Wilson. Now I get to be nice to her. Oh, <laughs> do you still talk to some of those guys? I mean, I you do, must, you yeah. know, and every now and then, you know, we talk on Twitter or something. Elizabeth Perkins, I sent her messages saying like, I love you, mom. And, mm. uh, and yeah, and, and Danny, Danny and Rhea and I will email back and forth and they're just the sweetest. And, uh, and yeah, I, I really, I really love them. I, I just, I was so lucky and I had, I like Michael Ritchie was like a dad to me too. He never played my parent, but he was a director I worked with and he was also incredibly wonderful. So I got really lucky. Yeah, I mean, I'm I I'm jealous of your on-screen parents as well. Yeah, I, I mean, like, no, believe me, there were, there were people I worked with who were not that pleasant, but I don't think anybody would be, would be surprised by that. Oh, <laughs> They'd be really? like, oh yeah, they didn't seem, they're like, yeah, they didn't seem like the nicest, but you Oh, know. okay, yeah. interesting. Yeah. Well, you've you've come out with a book, this was a few years ago, but Mara Wilson, who's been in, um, you know, countless Miracle on 34th Street, Mrs. Doubtfire, Matilda, many, many more, mm-hmm. Melrose Place. You came out with the book, Where Am I Now? The True Stories of Girlhood and Accidental Fame. And I just wanted to, in case anyone and hasn't had the chance to read the book yet. Mm-hmm. I wanted you to explain to our listeners why you were screaming around the set of Mrs. Doubtfire. I know about sex. I know about sex. Oh well, because my mom had just explained what sex was to me like <laughs> the day before, and I think my mom had sort of explained like piecemeal to me. Like I'd ask, I'd asked questions, and she'd answered, but I never really put it together until she was watching like something on PBS. And it was like kids in like a sex education class. And I was like, what are you watching? And so my mom actually sat me down and explained things to me. But I felt like I knew this big secret. And so the next day, I started asking like one of the women who did my hair. I was like, did you, uh, you know, like, so have you done it? And, and you know, started singing <laughs> that I knew about sex. And, you know, Robin and Chris Columbus, like I, I heard them talking and they laughed it off. And they actually probably helped me from getting in trouble because my mom was very, very clear with me that there was a certain way that I needed to behave on set. And mm. I was not behaving that way. <laughs> yeah. Well, you just found out about sex. How can you? Yeah, it was exciting. You know, <laughs> I, I knew a big secret and, I, and I, I was not very good at keeping secrets at five. I mean, what a five-year-old is, right? What, correct. 
Correct. Exactly. So, so I was very excited about that. So, yeah, but that was one of my embarrassing moments, most embarrassing moments of my life. And, and then, uh, when I looked back on it, I would just feel like, God, I hope nobody remembers that. But the thing is, (laughs) but then you wrote about it in your book. Now, everybody, yeah, exactly. But then, but then then the thing is, as you get older, you realize like that the most horrifying, embarrassing things you've ever done actually make great stories. So, absolutely true. It made a great story. Speaking of stories, like you've you've been involved with just you know recently Gabby Dunn's queer live reads yes. on YouTube, and I this is like so exciting. And I kind of just want to know, like, how did you get involved with this, and what was this first reading like? And and tell us a little bit about that because I know this is something absolutely our listeners will want to go like check out. So Gabby has yeah. So Gabby will find she will find a script and she will get just a, a roster of LGBTQ uh, actors or, or performers and get them to read and perform the scripts. And so we did Ocean's Eleven, the, uh, mm-hmm. the 2001 one, a couple days ago. And I, <laughs> she had me playing uh, Saul, Carl Reiner's character, which was really <laughs> fun. <laughs> yeah. You had your sunglasses uh, on. You really yes, went for I had, it. Uh-huh. I had my sunglasses on. I had like, I, I, I wore like my dad's old windbreaker for part of it. And then I like actually put on a nice suit jacket for another part and I think like uh, me and, and and Mal probably Mal Bloom and I kind of went for it the most and uh, mm-hmm. oh except for the twins they they like went in full drag which is great um, Elise <laughs> and Elise and that yeah but uh-huh. we we all had so much fun doing that and I, I I've known Gabby for a couple of years now and she just always is full of good good ideas and full of like great things to do and she pulls people together really well and she knows everybody so it was a really great thing and I mean I was really impressed I mean I obviously like that she got like Steph in it that was so cool and Jen Jen Richards is an amazing performer and she was so great and she was eating the whole time because Brad Pitt's character in that movie is always eating Eating, so she she had yeah so she was eating and she actually ran out of food one point at one point and her girlfriend (laughs) had to bring her more food yeah (laughs) it was fantastic well what I wanted to ask you if you could queerify any other movie if they if if you could choose a different movie to do a queer live reading of which one would you pick i know a lot of people have been clamoring for greece uh, oh yeah i mean i think that that would actually be that would be really fun i don't know i mean that's a musical though so i don't quite know how that would work out uh-huh. but well, who would you uh, play i mean i've always wanted to be rizzo but i mean that's a bit you know but i i'd also like i'd be happy to be anybody that's yeah that's definitely one that that i would love to do i'm trying to think of some other ones there's there's a lot there's definitely a lot that could be really fun yeah i mean you could um, go old school too it's like gone with the wind you could do yeah classics or like yeah i'm trying to think of like of like 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 seven samurai or like you know the (laughs) the magnificent seven or something like that that you know like like some old like western or 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 like true grit yeah i was thinking yeah true grit yeah queer true grit that'd be yeah borrow with an eye patch would be great yeah Yeah. it would be be pretty great (laughs) so what have you been up to i know you uh, other than the live reading and we saw you did an audiobook like what kind of stuff are you up to now and yeah where um, can people kind of keep up obviously uh, on your social media and whatnot yeah so i mean i'm still doing a lot of writing on my own and uh and yeah i have my my uh subscription newsletter mara.substack.com it's called shent we tell the vicar because every week i i close with a fake british television show title uh because they all have the most ridiculous the <laughs> most ridiculous titles, titles right. ever yeah. and uh, so i do that but i've been doing a lot of voiceover i i really love doing voiceover i was a recurring character on the show big hero six which mm. was really fun for me and i i was a villain 
actually, which was super fun. My friend made me a t-shirt that said Disney villain. Oh uh, yeah. Oh. It's hard earned. Yeah. yeah. What every, what every, uh, what every little girl wants to grow up to be, right? <laughs> yeah. Oh, I wanted to be Ursula. I think I still do. So I'm with you. Like, yes. What, what every little kid here. wants to, I mean, who, who wouldn't want to be Ursula? Let's be real. Right. Hello. Uh, but there's, uh, so there's that. And I just did the audiobook for my friends who write the cult podcast, Welcome to Night Fails. They have a character uh, that they wrote that I voice called The Faceless Old Woman. And now they have a book called The Faceless Old Woman Who Secretly Lives in Your Home, which is an explanation and it's an adventure story. And even if you've never listened to the podcast, it's still this great adventure story that's like The Princess Bride and The Count of Monte Cristo and all these big mm. crazy adventures. It's, and it's stories of revenge and betrayal and and adventure and and history and, and you know, high seas and all this, you know, fun craziness. And it's really fun. And doing the audiobook for that was a blast. So, uh, yeah, so that's really what that's really what I, I'm doing. Seems I really like a big that, variety yeah. of all kinds of things. Like you're keeping yeah. it excited. You're just. It sounds like you're doing a lot of amazing things, and we're Thanks. really happy to have you. You can follow uh, Mara Wilson at Mara Wilson, obviously on Twitter and Instagram. And uh, well, you're welcome on the show anytime. We'd love to have you back. Thank you. Thank you so much. Yeah, you guys have been so great. Thank you so much. 